0: Acts chapter 4, let's read together, verses 23 through 32. Acts chapter 4, when God's people pray. How do you know when God's people pray, stuff happens. God's stuff takes place. Yeah, the Spirit of God starts working in folks' lives. That's what we see in Acts chapter 4. Early New Testament church, the reason they had so much power was, yes, because of the predestined plan of God to launch the New Testament church. But it was also directly a result, I believe as well, of their prayer life, how committed they were to just pour their heart out before God and uh, in prayer. And so uh, when God's people pray, things change. Let's look, chapter four, verse 23. Let's read together. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, In verse 32 says the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Right before this, Peter and John were going to the temple at one of the hours of prayer, three hours of Jewish prayer throughout the day. And so they were going to the temple to pray. There's a man there begging for alms. And Peter gets his attention. He says, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have I give unto you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand up and walk. How many of you know our God's a healing God and a miracle working God today? Yeah, he is. Uh, By his stripes, we are healed. He heals. And uh, this man was healed miraculously. He leaps up, literally the Bible says, and now he's this running billboard, right, of the testimony of Jesus. And uh, the same religious leaders who crucified Christ are still in control. And they see this miracle take place. And they find out that Peter and John are preaching in the name of the very one they just crucified. So they bring them in and they threaten them. And say, you're no longer to preach in the name of Jesus. Uh, but Peter and John and specifically Peter uh, responds to them and says listen. Uh, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you instead of God you be the judge. But we're going to continue to preach the name of Jesus. You ain't going to stop us from preaching Jesus. Come on now. And, and that was their declaration. With boldness, but also with respect. They said, we cannot help but preach of that which we have personally experienced. The power of the resurrection and the uh, the miracles working, saving power of Jesus. And so that's the context here. So they threaten them and send them back. Now they gather with the believers and they pray here. And God supernaturally endows them with power from on high, to continue to be bold witnesses for Christ, even in the face of incredible persecution. Uh, The word prayed here, it's the word deomai in the Greek. Normally, when you see the word prayed in the New Testament, it's the word prosyukamai, which speaks of just typical prayers, supplications and prayers. Deomai speaks of pleading. Begging, urging God to work in a specific and a special way. And so what we have here are intense prayers. How many of you know today that God is not obligated to answer our half-hearted prayers? Isn't that right? God is not obligated to answer a whim and a prayer. He's just not God says in his word in Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what church? If you know the verse, all of your heart, all of yourself. This is wholehearted, passionate, intense prayer. Our intensity in prayer is not us proving to God that we mean our prayers. It's not faith in faith, if you will. But instead, our intensity in prayer is simply the revelation of what we truly long for. That's what he's talking about here. What really is, that's the question, the longing of my heart. And when the longing of my heart is for, as we're saying this year, right? More in 24, more of God, more of his spirit, more of his power, more of his peace. When I truly long for more of God... You will have more of God in your life when you call upon him in prayer. And you seek him with all of your heart. Uh, it says here that when we pray, what does God do? First of all, he shook the house. Uh, how many of you know that whenever you, whenever you pray and seek God, he starts to shake things up? Isn't that what he does? Uh, the shaking here is a literal earthquake. So in the original language, the idea is a literal, physical shaking. But also we know that that idea of shaking things is symbolic, isn't it? Uh, for example, if the president or CEO of your company or your battalion commander all of a sudden makes this announcement, we're going to shake things up a little bit. Does it get a little, a little fearful, right? A little scary? What, what does that mean? Uh, well, typically, if we're going to shake things up, A little bit. That means there's probably going to be new leadership in place. There's going to be some new processes and systems and procedures. There's going to be some new strategy. There's going to be a whole new, possibly a whole new vision, mission, whole new direction. And so when God shakes things up, he brings change. How do you know that when you pray, things change in your own life first? That's what God does. And and by the way, change is growth. And growth is change. If we're not changing our attitude and our actions and our commitment to God and his church. And wh- how we give and how we serve and how we share Christ with others. And new relationships we're investing in to, to so that others can grow in Christ and make disciples. If things are not changing, I'm not growing. And, and so... Prayer leads to change. God shakes things up. He stirs stuff stuff up in us when we truly seek him in prayer. Also, God not only shakes things up, he shakes some stuff loose. Come on now, doesn't he? The things that bind us, those besetting sins you may be struggling with. It's when we grab hold of God and he grabs hold of us in prayer that he begins to shake that stuff loose in your life. And so, I want to encourage you, man, go to God, don't run from God when you sin, run to him. He's the only one that'll shake that stuff loose out of your life. You can't just turn over a new leaf God's got to shake it loose and so he shakes things up. but having you know today, not only does he shake things up, he stirs some stuff up. Have you know that the devil doesn't like it when god's people get serious about prayer, come on now. When we get serious about prayer, but also about the proclamation of the gospel and of the true gospel ministry, getting out here and praying and and inviting people to know Jesus and making disciples, man, the devil doesn't like it. The devil will do everything he can to disrupt, to distract, to divide and to destroy what God is trying to do among any people that get serious about prayer. But how many of you know today the gates of hell, come on somebody, cannot come against God's church? Isn't that what Jesus said? He said not even the gates of hell can come against God's church. By the way, gates, uh, man, that's, uh, uh, that's a barrier. In other words, we're storming the gate, man. When we're in prayer, we're storming the gate. The enemy is bound. And the gates of hell, that which is bound, cannot come against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, when we pray, God shakes things up. But not only does he shake the house, also the spirit fills the house, doesn't he? When he says here, when they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, by the way, did you realize that's a command for every child of God to be filled? Ephesians five eighteen. With the Holy Spirit. I I'll just just practically today, children of God, that ought to be a part of our daily prayer life. Father, forgive me of sin. Are we already forgiven in Jesus' name? Absolutely. Through the shed blood of Jesus, thank God for his grace. I didn't earn my salvation, I don't keep it. I'm justified by the blood of Jesus, and I've been given his righteousness in salvation. And so uh, we're already forgiven, but does sin harm our fellowship with God? Come on, church. Certainly does, doesn't it? And so we want to be in right fellowship with him. So every day we should pray, Father, forgive me of sin. And Father, today, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And then by faith, go about our day looking for the work of God around us and listening for the voice of God within us. Okay. so the filling of the Holy Spirit. And he says here that when they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit, it's like a sponge, Okay, think of it like a sponge. So uh, the idea here is that which is completely saturated and can can receive no more. Okay, and by the way, be you filled is a daily filling. We talk about can receive no more. In other words, it's a daily surrender and a daily filling of the Holy Spirit. Think of it like a sponge. The filling of the spirit is like a sponge that is fully immersed in a bucket of water. Right, like washing a vehicle. Does anybody wash a car anymore? By the way, there's like 5 million car washes around. Have, you, have y'all noticed that? Everybody building a car wash. I, I guess we all need to get in the car wash business. We'll build our new building, I guess. Right? So back in the day, man, you go outside when it's hot and shorts and rip your shirt off. It's 100 degrees outside. And then you get a 5-gallon bucket of water and put a bunch of Dawn dish soap in it. Can I get an Amen. And then you get that sponge out, you soak that sucker real good in there and you go to wash in that vehicle. Well, that's the idea of the filling of the spirit. It's complete immersion. Uh, in, in, in the living water of God, in the spirit, if you will, so much so that when you pull it a hello, when you wring it out, what comes out? Living water. The water, that's what comes out. So the spirit comes out. By the way, how do you know when you're filled with the spirit? When when the devil and when difficulty starts to ring stuff out in your life? Come on now. What comes out? That's a good question, isn't it? Peter and John here in the early church, they're being persecuted. They're being wrung out. What's coming out? Spirit of God stuff's coming out. I don't know about you, but that's convicting. Because when I get wrung out, it ain't always Jesus. Is that true in your life? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Man, that's the idea. The Spirit fills the house. The sponge. So much so that, uh, man, when life starts to, uh, you know, uh, put its grip on us and, and try to wring out this stuff and difficulty comes, the Spirit of God comes out. Spirit stuff comes out. The filling of the Holy Spirit. Hey, today, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? When you get saved, we get the Holy Spirit. But we need a daily, not... Not to being re-saved or reborn again, but we need a daily refilling, okay? And uh, we're wrung out for Jesus every day. We need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit every morning. So when we pray, God shakes the house and the Spirit fills the house. And not only that, when we pray, stuff changes. Isn't that right? Stuff changes. And specifically in their lives, notice the characteristics we see here. First of all, when we pray, fear is replaced With security. How many of you know today that God will replace your fear and your doubt and your worry if you take it to him? He will speak to that. He will settle that in your heart. There are a lot of people that deal with fear and anxiety in our world. Mental health issues, emotional health issues. And uh, the reason the Bible talks so much about fear and anxiety is because this is a real thing for a whole lot of people. Fear and doubt and worry paralyzes us in a a lot, uh, or they paralyze us in a lot of ways. But it's when we go to the Lord in prayer. Isn't that what Paul said to the church at Philippi? Philippians chapter 4, what did he say? Verse 6, don't be anxious about anything, but through prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. So i got to have some gratitude here as I'm looking at the stuff of life. God, I'm grateful you've blessed me no matter how hard this situation is. But through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So it's through prayer that God takes our fear and replaces it with, Security. We see here that God gave them power, didn't he? In prayer. Uh, This was a a very weak, timid group of people just a few weeks before this. Handful of weeks before this. At the crucifixion of Jesus, what were the disciples doing? They were running for their lives. Now, Peter, the same one who denied Jesus at least three times. Some argue that he actually denied Jesus possibly six times. (laughs) If you go back and read all the gospel accounts. But he denied Jesus at least three times. Jesus said before that before that rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And two of those were to a little servant girl. Scared to death. Afraid. Now Peter, the same one who wouldn't talk wouldn't confess Jesus to a little old servant girl. Now is looking the very men in the eye who killed Jesus and saying, listen, you can say whatever you want to, but I am not going to stop preaching Jesus to those around me. Big difference. What was the difference? Prayer and the Holy Spirit. That's it. Prayer and the indwelling person in presence of the Holy Spirit. And so today, church, listen, when you are afraid, what do you do? Pray. Pray. When you're worried, what do you do? Pray. When you're anxious, church, pray. Yes, when you have doubts and struggles, pray. God will meet you there. He'll meet you there. And so whenever we seek God in prayer, our fear is replaced with security. Secondly, let's keep moving. This kind of goes along with it. Not only is our fear replaced with security, but when we pray, our weakness is replaced by tenacity, Boldness. Boldness. What did they pray for? What did they pray for when they prayed after the threat of persecution? Well, actual persecution and the threat of more persecution. What did they pray for? Boldness. Did they pray for protection? No. Are we protected in Jesus? Absolutely. The Bible says He gives His angels charge concerning us. We are protected eternally. Right? The most invincible man or woman in the world is a man or woman right in the center of God's will. Can I get an amen on that? That's the most invincible person in the world. And if, 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 if someone takes your life, that's simply because it was God's plan for some reason. Right? In that moment. And so, uh, so when they prayed, listen, God took that and, and, and turned it into boldness. They didn't pray for protection. Right? They didn't pray for God to, uh, you know, uh, Give them comfort or convenience. They didn't pray for material things here. They prayed for boldness to continue to speak the word of God. Let me, let me give you a word today. Listen, instead of us praying, God, I need you to get me out of this. Let's turn our prayers to, God, what do you want me to get out of this? See the difference? God wants to strengthen us in that difficulty, to give us boldness, to strengthen our witness, to strengthen our faith. I don't understand why God allows persecution and suffering for the children of God in this life. They crucified Jesus. What you know, as Jesus said, What do you think they're going to do to you if they if they kill the master? I don't understand why God allows suffering and hardship and Bad things to happen to good people. But I do know somehow, some way, God works through all that. And he strengthens the faith of his children. And he draws others to himself through that. Some of the greatest times of revival in the early New Testament church were during the greatest times of persecution. Difficulty. It's not... God, get me out of this. Some of you are here this morning, and that's, that's the prayer. God, you gotta fix this. You gotta change this. You gotta get me out of this. And, and can God change the circumstances? Yes. It's not that that's wrong, but in the midst of it, God wants to give us power, but He also wants to give us perspective. It's not God, get me out of this. It's God, what do you want me to get out of this? And as they're praying here, God's speaking to their heart, and they quote Psalm 2, and they say, God, you said, you already said in your word that we would go through persecution, that the kings of the earth and the Gentiles would rage, and all this stuff would happen. And they speak to the sovereign will and plan of God. Whenever we pray, God begins to fill us with strength, courage, boldness. To continue to live for him. To fight the good fight of faith. And, and to share the love of Jesus and the gospel of Christ with others. Even when it's not popular or even wanted. And so pray, pray, pray. Church, when we pray, God changes our fear to security. He changes our weakness into tenacity. But thirdly, he turns our pride into. Into unity. Whenever we pray, our pride is replaced by unity. Well, this is an incredibly unified group of people, isn't it? It says here that they lifted their voices together in prayer. That's interesting. The language is almost as if they prayed the same prayer in unison. The whole church. And and by the end of the passage, it says that they were of one heart, one soul. And they had all things in common together. Nobody looked and said, well, that's mine and not yours. They were willing to share. They were quick to serve. They They had humble, tender hearts before one another. They received counsel. From one another because they trusted each other. And they trusted in the God that they worshipped and served. The Lord Jesus Christ. There was a unity there. And so too whenever God's people pray. You cannot walk with God. And be at odds with his church and his people at the same time. It doesn't mean that everything the church corporately does is always right. There are times where churches begin to preach doctrine that's not of God. You ever been in a place like that? There's times where there are churches that preach doctrine that's not lifting up Jesus. Those are difficult situations. But friends, listen to me. When it comes to the preaching of the gospel, the the movement of the body, the relationships and and fellowship within that body, as long as we're pursuing God together and we're preaching the gospel, listen, you cannot... Walk with God and be at odds with his church at the same time. The church is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Men, let me ask you a question. If a guy looked at you and said, man, I like you. I don't like your wife. You going to be friends with that guy? No, that's a quick answer, isn't it? Boy, I sure do like you, but man, your wife gets on my nerves. Right. That's the way some people look at the church. It's the bride of Christ. Well, yeah, I love God, but I hate the church. I don't want to go to church. You don't need church. You know, I always deal with a bunch of hypocrites and crazy junk at church. Well, you do at work, too, but you keep going to work. By the way, I've developed a thought on that. You get paid to go there. Come here for free. By the way, the stuff you love, you do for free or you pay to do. Every year, the first couple of weeks of June, people come from all across the nation to the Great Smoky Mountains. And it's not for the reason that you would think, right? The mountains themselves, which are awesome. With the first few weeks of June every year there is a certain type of lightning bug Photinus carolinus specific lightning bugs fireflies that in their mating ritual thousands upon thousands of them in these up in the mountains and in those trees begin to flash in unison and you get this amazing unbelievable display of God's glory and beauty there. And people, again, they come but really all across the world. They come from all across the world to come and to witness the this mating ritual, these synchronous fireflies that by the thousands flash together. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, I pray that they would all be one, that all of your children would be one together, that the world may know that you have sent me. Oh, what a wonderful thing it is for one child of God to flash the light of the gospel. But how powerful is it when the whole body of Christ, together with one heart, One mission with love and grace toward one another is out there shining the light of Jesus together. Oh, how much more we can do for the kingdom of God together than we can individually. Oh, whenever we pray, our heart becomes unified with the children of God and the body of Christ. But fourthly and lastly today, whenever we pray... Our greed is replaced by generosity. Let me give you the most convicting part of this entire message for me. Greed. These people here, it goes on to say, folks who owned property and lands. By the way, it says everyone. Think about that, especially leaders in the room. Deacons, trustees, family group leaders, servant leaders in the church. Think about this. It says everybody. Everybody who had means, sold property or lands and brought the entire proceeds to meet the needs of the body. Radical generosity. Boy, the closer we get to God, the more we we gain the heart of God. Was it radically generous for God to send his son to die for us? Was that pretty radically generous? (laughs) One of the best ways to describe God is that God is a giver. A giver. Godliness, Christ-likeness, is giving. That's one of the best ways to describe describe it. But greed, you know, when we think about greed, we think about, I think about unethical practices. Isn't that what we think about? Greed, unethical things in order to gain more money or possessions. Unethical actions. We think of it in an unethical manner. But another man, this was so convicting for us in our house. Another definition this past week of greed I came across is this. Greed is when wants continually become needs. It's the unnecessary accumulation of resources. Does does that not convict the fire out of a few people today? We love to walk in here and say, Well, I'm not greedy. Well, How many resources do we have as a family that somebody else could be blessed with right now? Money, clothing, food, tangible things, right? Greed is not just unethical practice. Greed is also finding my identity in stuff. Sadly, there are way too many wants that we call need. In this culture, but also in the church, isn't it? I say that today. I hope I hope the Spirit of God will use that to convict you. That's what led us to that place of man, we God, you want us to do more here. It, because it, it, it's such a convicting thing to think of all that all the blessings we have. God blesses so we can bless others. And the more we grab hold of God in prayer, the more He grabs our heart and gives us this heart of generosity. Giving. When God's people pray, stuff changes. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. So glad you could join us. If you've given your heart to Jesus, text... HOPE JESUS, all one word, text HOPE JESUS to 77411. HOPE JESUS 77411. And let me encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. If you hadn't done that already, make sure to hit that subscribe button and share it out. You never know whose life might be changed by simply sharing this message today. So share it out. Okay? And so thank you again for listening in. and We invite you to listen in with us next week.